You're listening to the Soccer Survival Guide. I'm your host, Adam Gonzalez. Back after a brief hiatus, I'm here with my co-host, Coach Eric De La Rocha. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. On uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about contextual interference. What is it? Big, fancy word. Yeah. A little bit off-putting for, for some people, a little highbrow. Yeah. But uh, just to get right into it, right, with definitions, uh, it's described as the action that results from practicing various tasks within the context of a single practice situation. Still sounds a little complicated, yeah, right? A little yeah, bit, uh, yeah. a, little, a little bit too much, a little bit too extra. So, uh, again, what it is is soccer is contextual interference, right? So, what it is is constant decisions, constant changes. Yeah. I, I mean, there's an infinite amount of, of of situations that could happen from from one. Yeah. Right, from one situation it's chaos so, it's right chaos. Yeah, yeah in a sense it's chaos right yeah so what contextual interference is is, is basically trying to maintain that chaos right as much yeah. as possible so there's, there's been a lot of studies done and what people have learned right what scientists have learned is that the more contextual interference is included with your training the better your long-term progress is going to be yes right? a keyword long-term absolutely long-term. Because short term, it's going to be a little bit of a mess. Yes. Yes. Uh, And again, when we talk about player development, right, when when we talk with people, when we talk to you guys, uh, we want to bring value. Yeah. And again, we're not saying that this is the only way to do it. Yeah. But we want to shed light on a topic that's really not talked about. Yes, exactly. And again, like we mentioned, like soccer, you know, if you look at, soccer itself and what it entails what the game entails it's it's just constant changes right it's uh not that there isn't any set patterns that you don't see but it's you know if you're the player if you're if you're in the Hmm. game i mean it's constant it's about constantly adapting to a new situation making a new decision uh actually let me let me rewind that real quick it's if you're in the game you are in, in the moment, you are gathering information from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the opponent, how they're set up, where your teammates are set up, what's going on, uh, where in the field you're at, you know, f- at, to name a few examples. And that's what you you, you call communication. Right. You, you, you're in the game and you're gathering communication, but that is constantly changing. Right. Right. And then from there, you make uh, a decision. And from that decision, then you're going to execute the decision. Now, mm-hmm. um, with with uh, contextual interference, I mean, if you're a player, let's say even in the youth levels, uh, even in the younger levels, and you go into the weekend, you're going to experience chaos. You're going to experience an unpredictable game. Absolutely. So, you know, if we're looking at training and how we are preparing our players for, you know, the what the game is going to entail in the weekend, you know, if you apply... Or, or at least as much as possible in, in your sessions, um, you know, contextual interference, which we're going to get into, you know, the mm-hmm. examples of what that is. Uh, you're giving your, ch- your your players a better chance at going into the game and being uh, more adaptable to, to what's going to happen. Absolutely. So it can, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of a situation, right, and to, to start getting into it, right, how, hypothetical. 
So let's say, for instance, at practice, uh, you know, you want to work on building out of the back. And you say, okay, well, the center back is going to move over here, right? We're going to play the ball to the center back. Then we want the right back to move over here. Then the defensive center mid is going to move over here. And we want the attacking center mid to shift over to this side. So we can practice that all we want. Yeah. Right. But what ends up happening is during the game, you don't know what defenders are going to do or react yeah. to that situation. Right. That one pass, that one move, that one run, they, they can react to, I mean, a, a million different ways. Yes, yes. Right. So what ends up happening is if, if we train, right, if, if we train to just rehearse these kind of actions, right, then we're not preparing the kids to the best ability to be ready for the game where there's going to be a lot more decision making. Right. And, and real quick, just to add for the listener, um, uh, when we're talking about, uh, you know, the example of building from the back, uh, we're, we're referring to uh, just an exercise without any pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and there is value in rehearsing uh, certain things. However, when you're, when you're, again, you're that player in the game, things are going to be changing. Absolutely. If you overemphasize, overemphasize uh, uh, your your training uh, and, and exercises that do not involve pressure where players are forced to make a decision, um, then you're looking at, well, you're going into this game and you train a certain, uh, how can I say, a certain pattern, I guess we could just call that what, mm-hmm. what that is. But then when you go into the game, they come up with something different. They're pressing you different. They're defending mm-hmm. you different. They have a and different formation than different formation. you might have thought. Yeah, and so now what happens, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, again, the, the game is very unpredictable. So Yeah, and we're not telling you not to do any of this stuff. We're just recommending that you include as much contextual interference as possible. So, And, and, and by the way, Adam, contextual interference uh, is pretty much having pressure, having a defender, having defense, having mm-hmm. some, or, or even on defense, having, you know, uh, the attackers to go up against. Yeah, absolutely. Or having opposition. It's, it's something that's going to get you to think for yourself, right? And, yeah. and make a decision and read the game, right? Yeah. Because in the real game, you're, like you said, you're reading a lot of different things, yeah. right? So again, that, that's, that's our recommendation when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, with your training. Yeah. Um, having an opponent in your exercise. Absolutely. So, and, and I'll give you an example, right? So for instance, I, I train a, like I coach a 2011 girls team right now. Right. So when I took over this team, we're having issues with the Rondo, right? So we're doing four V one and we're struggling. We're really, really struggling. So the easy thing to do, right. Is just take away the defender and just focus on, you know, Hey, receive on the back foot, Right. Uh, movement off ball, right? Open body profile, whatever the case is, it would be really easy to take away the pressure, yeah. and and uh, I'm sure they would succeed at executing the action. Right? Yeah. So, and that's just one part of what soccer is: is executing the action, right? But if yeah. there's no defenders, then they're not really communicating with the environment, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're not making the best decisions that are going to be as realistic as the games. Yeah. So in, instead of doing the four V one Rondo or the four V two Rondo, what we do is we open it up. Yeah. Right. So one of the ways that, for instance, if you want to try to maintain this contextual interference, right. Yeah. Is instead of doing a four V one where maybe the girls struggle, uh, I jump to a, 
11 v one. Yeah. Right. So now it's 11 attackers and, and one defender and yeah and that might take be a that little literally guys yeah right? okay <laughs> yeah and, and again it's it's a little unrealistic but at the very least now we have something to yeah to base our passes on yes right now we're looking at the defender and saying well okay well now the pass has to go over here yeah because defenders on that side of the field yeah. well now i have to hit the pass with this weight yeah right or with this speed or this direction uh so it gives us a, a high quality reference to use versus no reference yeah, and um, and and you know when Adam mentions the eleven versus you know one, it's obviously a progression. Like he he didn't just go into eleven versus one. Uh, uh, you know, you start the exercise and maybe it was a four v one and small space. And you know, if they couldn't get the four v one, maybe you made it bigger, right? And then maybe you added more uh, more more teammates. Uh, but you worked your way. The point being is the last result. The, the last resort was to take away the defender. Absolutely. That's, that was the last resort. Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, uh, I'm sorry. Um, by the way, it's very common, and we're all guilty of it. It's very common for us coaches to suddenly resort to taking away the defender or the opposition and going into uh, it's what we call basic actions, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and we're, all, we're all guilty of it. Yeah. And what we're just trying to say is if you find an exercise – Try your best to avoid going right into taking away the defender. Underloading. Underloading. Very Absolutely. Good. Yes. And and again, that that that's our advice, right? Not saying that you have to do it. We recommend that you at least try it at the very least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but see what you can manipulate before taking away the pressure. Yeah. Right. Can you manipulate the space? Yes. Can you manipulate the number of players? Yeah. Right. To maintain some sort of decision making, right? And maintain yeah. Some sort of right communication, decision making. Because uh, once you take that away, then you're not getting that full, full range of what the game entails. Exactly. And, and just to add, I mean, uh, even from the outside, if you're a spectator, uh, it's going to look a little bit chaotic. Mm -hmm. um, it obvious, it's like if you train on something without any pressure, of course, over time and actually quite quickly it's going to start looking pretty cool pretty mm -hmm. good you know like oh man but in reality if there's no pressure then you're already taking all you know what the game entails so if you're on the outside and you're watching a coach maybe let's just say you run into a coach and they happen to be doing a 11 versus one right and don't take that literally like maybe that's what they went into right away but the point is that when you do when you do add contextual interference, when you add pressure, when you add an opponent, um, you you are training and things are not gonna look as smooth as what you would think it looks like when there is no opponent to train mm -hmm. against. And that's normal. That's understandable. If you're a coach and and, and you're training and you're having a session and then uh, maybe the session, even though you haven't taken out the opponent, it's not looking as smooth. That's part of the process. That's okay. Yeah. And be, be, be comfortable with it. It's yeah. That's why it's practice. Yes. Right. That's why it's practice. It's okay to to fail and learn from those failures. Yeah. Right. And mistakes. And uh, and and I'll give you an example uh, when it comes to private training, right? Because uh, I've talked about a lot of the the players I private train and, and stuff that I've done. Uh, so uh, I used to be really really guilty of a lot of like rehearsed patterns. Right or, or or footwork patterns, right? Uh, and you see it a lot on social media. We're gonna end up doing a full episode on 
on the effects of uh, social media on the development and, and mentality uh, on players nowadays. Yeah. But um, for instance, you know, and I was guilty of, of, of a lot of these, uh, you know, quote unquote ball mastery drills, right? Yeah. Which again, not saying that to, to not do it, right? Yeah. But if I'm there and I'm a trainer, right? And, and I can add something to the session, whether it's, you know, stepping in when they're trying to skill, whether it's, uh, you know, moving to the side, whatever, I, if I can add more, I should. Right. And, uh, when I first started training, I, I wouldn't. So what would I do? I would drop cones. Right. And, and I would tell a player, you know, Hey, go to the cone, do a scissor, right. Yeah. Or go to the cone and, you know, do a roll cut, push yeah. L whip, whatever the case. Right. And I would tell the players what to do. Yeah. And what ends up happening is by me just telling the players what to do, they're, they're not thinking for themselves. Right. Yeah. And all they're doing is just executing the action that I'm asking them to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that cone in a sense is a very low quality reference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, if that's all you have, right. If you're training by yourself and you have a cone, then sure. Why not? Yeah. Right? There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Even though I would still probably recommend that you visualize yeah. and you use your imagination. So Absolutely. for me, right. Yeah. For me, if I had to do it over again and I was, uh, you know, a 10 year old practicing by myself, yeah. I, I wouldn't drop a cone. I, I would try to visualize in my head, a defender pressuring me and, and I would practice my skills on that imaginary yeah. defender yeah um so and, and i found a i found out a really curious thing so i would get players from second and third teams uh that would start to to do these ball mastery drills right and what would happen was these kids started getting really really good at completing these ball mastery drills yeah so in my head at the time i'm thinking like hey that's progress Right. I, I would sit, uh, set up figure eights yeah. and say, hey, you have 10 seconds to complete as many figure eights as possible. Yeah. So I'd have kids on second, third teams, you know, getting 10, 11 figure eights. Yeah. And they would start at three. And I'm like, man, that's progress. And then I would get kids on the first team that would come over and they could only do, you know, six and 10 seconds versus the other kids that were just like killing it on my drills. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. So I'm thinking that's progress. And all of a sudden we get to 1v1s. And the first team kids are still smoking the other kids. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, like, you know, what's going on? What am I, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Right. So what it was is that I was putting my players and I was underloading them. Yeah. Right. I, I, I'm asking them to just do basic actions. Hey, just complete the skill. Just focus on the skill. Yeah. And again, there was no contextual interference. So the thought process shifted from, an external, we'll do a whole episode on this, yeah. an external focus, right, on, on trying to beat the player and, and seeing how the player reacts to an internal focus where you're just worried about completing the action. Yeah. And then when they actually got a real defender, they weren't prepared. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent, but this kind of reminds me a lot of, you know, if you have a, a boxer hitting a punching bag, uh -huh. you know, and all they do is train on a punching bag, and then they go into straight into a boxing match. I mean, you know, the the chances of them really being able to uh, excel and do well in the actual match is very low because they haven't been training on an, uh, against an opponent. Absolutely. You know, and, and having to make those decisions and, and adapt and react and whatnot. But, um, you know, going back to... To, you know, the example, of what, you know, when you had the second and third team kids 
you know, doing really well with the uh, with the ball mastery. Mm. I mean, I've even I remember just you know myself, you know, over the years, especially in the past, and and seeing some of these kids that are also excelling in these in these you know they're doing the actions that were giving mm. that I was asking them to do. They were doing them really good. And it's looking very sharp, quote unquote. And then we go to a game, and the success rate was not very high. Absolutely, and 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 I was wondering, like, hey man, what's going on? Like, oh, I mean, but then looking at it now, it was on me. Looking like if I'm that child, I mean, I'm going against a very, like you said, it's a very low quality reference, right? Uh, that uh, that is not making you decide. It's not making you react. It's not making you adapt. Um, so of course, if I'm going up against no opponent, then I'm just moving the ball and and doing it for the sake of moving the ball itself and whatever it might be, whatever the the skill set might be. But then again, you know, you're gonna come, you know, you you go into an opponent and it's a whole different story. Absolutely. So when you're doing anything, whether it's a pass, a shot, a, a skill, whatever the case is, right? You want to consider a couple of things, right? You want to position consider the position moment direction and speed right so if we, if we consider these these four things right uh d- does a cone does a, a a drill that doesn't include these things help us when in the actual game we need those things yes right yeah. so uh and, and i've seen some some people doing some really creative things uh if, interesting enough i i saw a a video going viral of a uh, trainer in the uk uh, I think it's the, I think it's the academy player. I think that's what the Instagram account is called. Uh-huh. And uh, they actually they, they use a like a Roomba, right, <laughs> or a uh-huh. like a remote controlled car. I, I forgot what they used, right? But they had players doing skills against like the Roomba or doing yeah. skills against the the remote controlled object, and and that's good. Why? Yeah. Because now you can start actually adding more. Yes. Right. To those skills. So now, you, now that you're doing the scissor, now you're actually trying to read what position, you know, the quote unquote defender is right. Or the speed that they're the coming moment, at you with. Right. The speed they're coming at you with the direction that you're going to do your skill. Is there any subtle changes that you have to do based on any of that? Yeah. Right. So now like now your brain's really, really getting uh, challenged and overloaded with, with, with decisions. Yeah. Um, and then again, the, the, the focus shifts from a, an internal focus to an external focus, uh-huh. right? Where now you're focusing on, on, on reading the player. And, and, and by uh, the way, I want to add again to the internal focus. Uh, just a quick example could be if I'm a player and, and, and I'm asked to do a certain skill set, mm-hmm. I have the ball under my feet and I have to dribble to a certain mark, a certain point. Uh, internally, I'm thinking I got to get to that, to that, to that cone. Mm-hmm. I have to move the ball like this and then move the ball like this and, and have my ankle like this and whatnot. So I'm actually thinking about that skill as it means to itself rather than thinking, hey, what is what am I actually doing this for? Right. Right. And and which if you're a player by yourself and you want to also work out on yourself and that's all you have, that's just good. But just use imagination. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, imagine, you know, maybe you, you put a cone down and even with a little bit of imagination and visualization, absolutely, it gives it a a, a more uh, how can I say a, a a better element of that you're now thinking not just about doing the move for itself, you're doing it 
because you're like you're seeing yourself in that moment against an opponent. Absolutely. Uh, t- today, in today's practice with my 2011 girls, we did a technical session, uh, and uh, we were working on on some skills. And the way that we started was just 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 free, like just free, right? Yeah. Free play. Just use whatever skills you want. Dribble, any anything you want to do, just you can do it on your own, right? Yeah. Uh, anything you want to practice, make mistakes, go ahead. And then from there, we shifted to uh, a Pac-Man game that, yeah. that I absolutely love. Yeah. And what goes on in this Pac-Man game is uh, both players have the ball, right? There's two players. Both players have a ball at their feet. I put a square, I, I, d- different patterns, right? Yeah. D- different setups. And then what ends up happening is we're basically playing tag. Yeah. So what I'm teaching the players to do is read the movement of the defender, right? And learn to understand what happens when you take a touch? How does the defender react? Well, maybe the defender acts before you react, right? Yeah. And then what's your response? Yeah. Right? So what's happening is I'm I'm including a lot of different actions within a small amount of time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm overloading the brain to process as many actions as possible. Yeah. yeah. Right? So we, we start with that and, and it, gets, it gets the brain firing and it gets yeah. them thinking. And then uh, we, we jump to a... Uh, a 1v1 exercise where they're finishing and they were going against me, yeah. right? It, it was very, very tempting, right, for me to just drop a cone and just say, hey, scissor against the cone and, and finish, yeah. right? Uh, it was very, very tempting. Uh, but what I did instead is I jumped in yeah. and I sometimes I moved to the right. Sometimes yeah. I moved to the left. Yeah. Sometimes I moved forward. Sometimes I moved back. And what that did was give the players a more realistic reference of what would happen during the game. Yeah. So if I jumped forward, then it would cause them to maybe have to take their touch a little bit faster. Yeah. Or if I started jockeying and moved back, maybe they would have to take an extra touch. Yeah. Right. To close the space. Or if I would, you know, whatever the case was, yeah. right. I, I'm just adding more uh, to the player for them to think more and, yeah. and decide and then try to execute the action. So, and again, in a lot of these studies, when it comes to long-term success, players develop better long-term yeah. when they're exposed to these contextual interference, right? These processes where you're adding more to it. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're exposed, when you're exposed to training against uh, an opponent, pretty much. Absolutely. Right. Um, and, and again, going back to that study that you mentioned that you, that you were mentioning is when you, what they did is they, they saw, that the players that did the session on internal focus in the session, they may have had more success in what the exercise was about, mm-hmm. you know. But when they got to the test, which was the game, it didn't really transfer. They didn't have a lot. It didn't have a big transfer to absolutely. It, where the players that did the session and and their focus was on the external factors the external, um, it looked a little bit more chaotic. It, it didn't look, uh, have a, as much success. It wasn't as clean, right? It wasn't as clean. But when they went to the game, a lot of it, re- they retained much more of it and then had more success in the game. Yeah. So that's that's uh, on the external one, focus, like having external focus yeah. in your session. Like what are you trying to accomplish, yeah. right? And not so much like, hey, the mechanics Focusing on the mechanics on, oh, well, I'm going to do this and then move my ankle here mm-hmm. and then step here. Um, 
so yeah, like, and, and we wonder when you know when you're going into the game. I mean, it, it's soccer's hard, man. Mm-hmm. Soccer's hard, man. And so, you know, it, there is value in, in, in again doing the the isolated work, but. Mm-hmm. When you're thinking about what the game entails again, how are we preparing those players to be ready for what's going to happen in the game? Yeah, so. absolutely. And and again, our, our our aim is to provide value, right? Yeah. And, and at least provide a, a different perspective than maybe uh, maybe some of you guys are used to. Um, and I'll use an example. And again, I want to do a full episode on on social media, right? Yeah. But I, I see a lot of social media accounts where. Uh, you know, you have players basically rehearsing actions, yeah. right? Where, it, and again, you can tell it's really rehearsed where yeah. it's like, and you listen to the trainer, right? Or the coach and, and you're listening to the, the, the coach, quote unquote, coaching points. And they're saying, pass, move, drop, right, back pedal, yeah. back foot. But so again, what they're doing with these players is they're getting these players to just execute whatever action they're being told to execute. Yeah. Right. And, and we, we know we discussed that a little bit earlier. That's an underload. Yeah. Right. Because all you're focusing on is just the execution of the action or the movement or the movement, right. Or yeah. whatever the case is. And, and it's, it's, it's basic, right. Yeah. Um, so again, what ends up happening is a lot of these players, coaches or whatever the case is, parents, they'll, they'll see these drills or exercises and they're like, man, that looks good. Right. Yeah. It looks sharp. Look yeah. at their touch. Look at that. Yeah that's not a good representation of what's going to happen in the actual game because you're yeah. just rehearsing and in, in i've used the word soccer choreography right yeah. the term soccer choreography yeah uh you know because in a sense that's sometimes what it is um i want to add to that because uh again when i say there's no value in the in the youtube and the social media stuff because again if you're a player by yourself and you know you you really want to improve something's better than nothing absolutely um so you know maybe you're looking for some resources that you can do at home okay however in in the context of team training Mm -hmm. right then as coaches we want to avoid underloading our players Mm -hmm. and creating a session where they're overloaded right and overloaded in the sense that as many elements of the game as possible mm. right and you know and again if you're by yourself and you're at home and you know you need some ideas hey that's that's different it's a different right. situation um there's always ways you know there's there's the how can i say that the, there's no wrong necessarily it's just you know something's better than 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 nothing i guess right right but we're telling you the the what right we we recommend that you that you do this right this is the what for right. coaches and the team training. Absolutely. Yes. And then the how you do it is it's completely different. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's where everybody, you know, as, that's the art of coaching. You kind of come up, you get creative. But again, there's a there's a there's a difference. Uh and this is for the coaches, is in team training you have all your players, you have the whole team there. You know, it would work out better for those kids um uh, to be able to to be in a, an environment where you're exposing them to as much uh, contextual interference as we're calling it. Uh, but again, creating the elements of the game, which is having an opponent to train against. And, you know, not that you shouldn't do the, the isolated stuff, but on the long run, your kids will benefit more from having the uh, all the elements of the game Absolutely. to train against. But 
if you're, you know, by yourself and maybe you don't have a trainer, maybe you just want to find, you know, something to, to, to improve on. That's different. That's different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when, you know, it, it, it's not shutting that down at all. And, and, and there's still, you know, social media is full of ideas. Mm -hmm. But if you have the opportunity, even if you have a trainer or someone there to train with, well, why not add some more elements of the game? Absolutely. So let me give you an example for uh, private training, 1v1, right? So yeah. it's me, me and a player, uh, and we're working on a, a first touch drill. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll play the pass to a player and then press them down a certain side, right? I might press the right, the left, and it, it doesn't have to be fast. It could be slowed, right? Depending on the level, I can yeah. adjust that, Yeah. right? And I'll play the player, press them down one side. So now by me pressing down one side, now the player has to look. They have to, right? The look is trying to read the communication, yeah. right, of, of, of me. Then they're going to have to analyze it, decide and then execute. Yeah. So what ends up happening is that, hey, Coach Adam passed me the ball. Now he's going to the right side. I need to go to the opposite side for my touch because yeah. he's pressing me there, right? And and I can I can change that, right? I can either run faster, run slower. Yeah. But just by doing that, I'm able to get the player to start yes. working on the cognitive side, yes. start thinking a little bit more, and start again deciding and, and executing based on that decision. Yes. Right. Yes. So uh, and again. <laughs> there's there's different levels to this right yes. so uh for me i'm i'm very extreme when it comes to uh you know this method i i include it as much as much as possible and it's worked yeah. for me yes right but that's my subjective experiences yeah uh my players who knows maybe i had players that were able to to execute those actions already as it was or uh yeah. whatever the case is uh th but that's my subjective experience right and it's worked for me but Again, we just recommend that you try to include it as much as possible because studies have shown that for long-term development, this is definitely the way to go. Yeah, and and that's where, uh, you know, creativity within the coaches and, you know, learning a little bit more and getting ideas, methodologies, um, you know, because even you said, like, it worked for you, but if we're really talking about the players, you know, those players in the long run are probably going to benefit more from that, you know, but, but we've all been there. I mean, we, we've, you know, we've all, how can I say, we've all been in a position where we just straight out started a session without no opponent, no mm -hmm. pressure. Uh, and, and, and there's a time and place for stuff like that as well, guys. Uh, but, and it's not saying that there, there's never a place for it, but one of the things that you can take from this conversation is if you have a session uh, see if, or how can I say, it, when you are making your session, tr you know, try your hardest at least to not take away the opponent too soon or, you know, don't give up on yourself too soon. Right, that's going to just underload the players. Yeah, underload. Right. And, and we, what you want to do is overload because in a game of soccer, overloading is what's happening. Mm -hmm. The players are constantly being overloaded. All right. Um, it's There's so much going on in the game, right? Absolutely. So, um yeah like uh when you when you're doing your session you know see don't give up too too soon and, and take away the opponent be creative to try to try as much to keep the contextual interference involved um and yeah i mean that because at the end of the day the, the players are going to get more soccer out of that absolutely than you know not having uh, an opponent to go yeah, up against absolutely 
So again, a little bit of food for thought. Uh, I'm in the Clubhouse app quite often. I'm kind of addicted, to be honest with you. Yeah. And uh, and I'm bringing up this this uh, this theory, this topic, and I'm getting great, great feedback, right, on coaches that use it, coaches that don't use it. And it, it, it's really looking that the consensus is it's better to include this as much as possible, Yeah. right, for long-term development. Yeah. Uh, in almost all all ages across the board. And we're not saying again, this is the only way to do it, but yeah, some people do use it and, uh, and it's working out pretty good. Yeah. So, um, again, just trying to bring value to everybody and yeah. recommendations that we would use. Try it. Don't try it. Let us know what works, what doesn't. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, and, and if you have social media, soccer survival guide, if you try it, and or you, you don't try it. I mean, by all means, like message us and let us know how it works out. Or and, and ask your players. Yeah, ask your players about it. If you mm -hmm. do apply it, ask them about it. Yeah, you know, and and see, get their yeah. feedback as well. And, and don't and again, just don't get sucked into the social media trap. And I'm going to yeah. say now, before we get into the social media episode, yeah. don't get sucked into it, right? Because you're going to see, you know, players doing amazing versus, uh, you know, cones, inanimate objects. Yeah. Whatever the case is, pattern drills, right? They're gonna look. They're gonna look good. That's why yeah. they're designed that way. Yeah. Right. And we're gonna see that. And we're gonna be so tempted to to do that. Everyone looks good hitting a punchy back. By <laughs> Absolutely. The way. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. So d d just don't be tempted again. Try it the other way. Uh, and let us know, right? So let us know on Soccer Survival Guide. Eric, where, where can we find you? Uh, at Coach De La Rocha. And uh, you can find my uh, personal Instagram, uh, Adam Ten Gonzalez. Hey, by the way, just for fun, you know, Bruce Lee quoted, or in Enter the Dragon, he tells a guy, boards don't hit back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you ever watched that movie, I mean, this is, this is kind of similar. You know what I mean? My uh, my, my director at the Barca Academy uh, used to say, uh, coins don't defend. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting, though. But again, just let us know how it works. If it doesn't, uh, make sure that you're following us. If you get a chance, we'd love to hear what works, what doesn't, uh, any opinions and Anything else? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're definitely here as a community. We, you know, try to help each other out. So uh, if you ever have uh, something like, hey, reach out to us and, and, and send us a message or look for us there. And Absolutely. You know, let's, keep, let's keep talking about this and keep improving and raising the keep bar. Keep growing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So uh, thanks for joining us on today's episode. We're going to try to keep them uh, short, brief, to the point to maintain yeah. everybody's attention as much as possible. Uh, but again, we're glad that you, uh, you've listened up until this point and, uh, you've been listening to the soccer survival guide. I've been your host, Adam Gonzalez, signing up. <laughs>